Welcome back to Anchored and Devoted. This is welcome, welcome. our first podcast in August. Um, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, today we are talking about salvation. Uh, this is Pastor Joseph and Pastor Jer. And this is a topic that hopefully will be near and dear to you. Not as, hopefully not as near um, as some other things, but more importantly, in the center of your relationship when it comes to God. Um, when you think of the Amen. word salvation, what do you, what do you think of, uh, Jer? Just rescue. Hear salvation. Rescue. Yeah, rescue. Okay. Rescue. Rescue. Uh, someone's dying. I think of, I think of lifeguards, um, as, as mm. you know, sort of immediate picture that jumps to mind. I think of the red cross. I think of medics. I think of someone running to where someone is perishing in some mm. way and jumping in the water to pull them out. What about mm. you? When I think of salvation, I think of getting dirty, um, to be honest. <laughs> Interesting. Well, you said it in, in, in what you said, the whole lifeguard, they're leaving a place of comfort to go get dirty. And, I mean, they're going to help somebody. Um, I see it. But uh, it, it's one of those things where, for me, I um, know that um, there's a cost. And um, uh-huh. okay. that at least for me, for salvation is real. Like if I don't recognize that cost and just view it as free, then I have a problem. And I know okay. that. Uh, so you're hitting at something right off the bat here that, that uh, kind of cuts both ways. You're saying salvation is not free? No, it is not. Um, as much as, you know, we, the broader church, want to make it free, you know, uh, depending on your denomination or bent or whatever you're doing. Um, we, we typically make it, you know, uh, you walk the aisle, you raise the hand and, and you're good. Um, as opposed to recognizing there's a huge sacrifice that, uh, came for Christ. Um, that was love. Okay. I'm gonna really just go there. John three sixteen. Um, do it. Uh, whenever I think salvation, this is my verse, John three sixteen. It says for God so loved the world that. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The, the, the idea of love and salvation to me are so intertwined that I can't separate them just to me. Like when I think of love, I think of my savior. I think of his death. I think of Jesus being the father's son and the sacrifice and relationship there. I, I think of my value being attached to his value and what he gave up so I could put on something new. Um, that's the math person in me. Like he, you know, made me holy, made me new and has made me a part of his glory. Um, but that required a, a great loss for him, but not just verse 16 in John chapter three, but 17, 18, 19, 20 and 21 for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. That is the verdict. Mm. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds are evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for the fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So again, when I think of salvation, I think of like you being rescued, but 
when I mean, lifeguards got to get wet, and when they pull you out, they can see what was happening, whether you know you were attacked by jellyfish or you know you just didn't know how to swim. <laughs> you, can use, you can use that picture of the lifeguard, and um, not most <laughs> Baywatch doesn't necessarily do a great job of depicting <laughs> what saving a life looks like from a lifeguard's point of view. Cause oftentimes there's, you know, elbows and heads and knees flying Correct. as the lifeguard is trying to pull someone up out of the water to safety. That person, um, you know, lifeguards, a part of the training is uh, how to rescue someone without dying yourself. Yep. Cause, cause when the lifeguard, jumps in it's not hey i'm going to come over here on this boat and just send you a winch it's oftentimes i'm in the water i'm now at the same risk of drowning as you are in the same circumstances in order to pull you out and that's that's what i think of salvation i think of rescue but you've touched on multiple different things none of which we have sufficient time to unpack but i think they all need to be highlighted okay um so I want to underscore what you just said. Salvation is not free. It is a free gift. Yes. But it's not free. Just like when you give me a gift, if you give me, you say, hey, Jer, I was thinking about you today, and I decided that I would give you this Bentley. That gift to me comes free. Yep. You still paid 120 grand for it. Or I'm still paying for it. depending on if Or you're me. still paying for it. <laughs> The freedom of the gift is because of the giver, not because of what the gift is. Correct. And, and that's, on, that's on the exchange side. There's also on the experiential side or the expectational side, maybe be a better way to say it. We do. We offer salvation kind of like the way that most of the stores we go to offer membership. Like, okay, you shopped here. So clearly you're saying you want to receive all of our emails every single day, right? 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 <laughs> I'm, no, I'm breathing did not say, I was not by walking in, by glancing through the door here to your store, I was not saying, please bombard me with your ads. But we offer salvation in churches, sometimes ass easily. All you have to do is show up and be breathing. I can tell you, um, and you know, when I do the mission work up in Canada, one of the things that um, struck me to my core was when um, the Dene told me how they viewed missionaries. And um, they told me that they viewed missionaries as driftwood. And that was their name in Dene. Um, mm-hmm. Because they would float in during the warm season and float right back out when things got tough or Ouch. when things were difficult. And, you know, if it was cold or just a different thing or someplace they want to be, they come for a week, they come for a month, whatever the only thing they wanted to share was Christ and they never wanted to know the individual. Um, and for the Denite, the valuable things were the things you shared last. Um, and so if you come sharing Christ first, he clearly isn't that valuable to you um, because that was the first thing you were willing to give me. Now the Denite people um, were amazing as far as their generosity and love once you got to know them. And that took about a year. Um, so before you could share Christ with them, you had to be with them for a year. Salvation is so valuable. How much more um, for those that are new in the faith or uh, haven't chosen Christ yet, should we um, take the time to 
know them, but also allow them to know who God is and to build that relationship so it has great value. And that, mm-hmm. to my opinion, should even take place on Sunday when it comes to the appeal to, to let people know that, yes, all you have to do is believe. That is so true in the name of Christ, for he did the work. There is no work that you have to do to earn salvation. He has done all the work, but understand um, the work that he's done is so precious and so priceless that we have to value it in every context um, because it is who we are. Okay. Um, go for it. I know. We, we okay. doing big I'm going to do this so much here. I mean, there's so <laughs> much. We could spend this entire 30 minutes just unpacking the verses that you read. Um, I mean, I, I, a part of me wants to and just go into the, the Paul's, <laughs> Paul's statement, Christ did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved. But those who don't receive him stand condemned already. That, this is maybe for some well future from now um, in terms of our podcast, but there's this idea currently that the Christ of the Bible has been misrepresented in evangelicalism as a God who demands that homosexuals stop being gay and that fill in the blank, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that that was wrong. And the real Jesus is a Jesus who primarily cares about the poor being cared for and the sick being met and uh, things that are not fair and not just being made right. He didn't come to condemn. He didn't come as a judge. He came to love. And all of, that's, all of that is um, a muddying of the truth, to be frank. Some parts of it are very true. Some parts of it are very false and intentionally muddied. Um, however, John knew something as a disciple of Christ. John knew that Christ's mission when he came 2,000 years ago, was a mission of rescue. It was a mission that was going to lead to his death and resurrection for the salvation of the world. John also knew, as he wrote about in the Revelation, that there would be a time that Christ would come, and with his coming, this would be his second coming, there would be condemnation, there would be judgment. And at that point, every life would be would have to make an account for itself. And this is, this comes, I'm saying this because this really underlies why there is a need for salvation. We talked in the last podcast about sin. Mm -hmm. We talked about the fact that God cannot abide where there is sin. He must, because of his character, thrust sin as far away from his person as is possible. What that means is that those of us who have sin, as you so accurately said, we were born in sin. It's a part of our nature because we were born a woman. We have a sin problem, and we will have to give an account to God at the end of our lives here on earth. And either we're going to be condemned for our sin, or our sin is going to be paid for. It, the, we, we owe a debt, in other words. There's, there, is a, there are multiple ways to think about sin and salvation. One of them is in terms of rescue. Another is, as you said, in terms of mathematics and in terms of exchange or debt. I have charged my account against God, 
he's given me this credit and he said, you go ahead and use this credit called life. I have charged all this credit on this credit card called life and it's been sin. And I have this debt that I now owe and it has to be paid off. And that's why salvation, as we said, is not free. That sin has to be paid off. And the choice is either I surrender to Jesus who came in order to pay the penalty of sin for those who believe in him, or I choose to pay that myself, and God says, okay, you're going to pay it now. Now it's time to pay the piper. You've chosen your sin. You have chosen to remain enslaved to your sin. You've chosen, as John says, to remain in the darkness because you did not want your deeds that done in darkness to be exposed. Now you're going to have the full enslavement to that sin, which we call hell. There, there's a lot there, and that's um, well. No, I there's to... a lot that our culture gets wrong with that currently. But I, I want to take a break because I want to come back and I want to talk about substitutionary atonement a okay. little bit. But I want to, I want to, I want to give you back the floor and let you respond. <laughs> well, part of salvation, ping you... pong, ping <laughs> pong. <laughs> part of salvation is that, is that you are made new. You are transformed. And um, that comes with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, another part of salvation is that you are uh, asking or repenting of the sins um, that you were trying to bring into heaven because everyone thinks that they're good enough. Um, mm. The sins that um, defined you, that um, were part of your ecosystem, your world, your, your life norms, um, have now need to be replaced with this new nature found in the grace of Christ. Um, it, this is something where your identity is truly found in the work of Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. That The freedom is found there, and he is saving me from myself literally, spiritually, emotionally, socially. He's infecting and affecting change in every part of my life. This mm -hmm. isn't simply um, a social club for which I wear a badge and usher people to their seats or, you know, help people in the parking lot. This is about a relationship with God as opposed to a relationship with sin, a relationship with self, a relationship yeah. with Satan. Um, right. That's what we are being saved from. And we are being right. saved to this family that we have no right to call family. Um, mm. That's salvation. I, I was drowning in sin and now I am saved to live out a purpose that I've been created for um, that is timeless. It's not just for today, but for all of eternity. And, and right. that right. is what I, when I think of John 3.16, that is love. Like that you're willing to get wet and dirty for me so that I could get new clothes that you paid for and yeah. be forgiven. Like that's, that's huge. That's well, you're, huge. you're quoting scripture that this is love. Not that we love God, but that he first loved us. Correct. And manifest himself, manifest his son for our sins. That, that's, so we, <laughs> we've talked about rescue. We've talked about debt. Um, the idea of reconciliation is in there. We've talked about adoption. All of these concepts are 
are necessary and useful for talking about salvation. Um, there's, there is something that I want to talk about here, though, and, and bounce back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, big terms, substitutionary atonement. It's mm-hmm. um, Put it simply, it says that it was necessary for Jesus to die. Mm-hmm. It was necessary for there to be a cross and for Jesus to physically die because in his death, the punishment for sins was poured out on him and the penalty for sins, the, the debt owed, was paid by his blood. That doctrine, that teaching of scripture, became very off-putting to Christians um, in the last 130 years or so. And um, so I want to put it out there and ask you, why, why was it, is it necessary? Was it necessary for Jesus to die? If so, why? Why do we make such a big deal out of this culture of Christianity with its blood and its sacrifice and its death? It, this goes back to perspective. Often mankind, whether it's my six-year-old son or the wisest person in the world, views themselves as being able to understand first the mind of God and then being able to judge God for the work that he does. When we recognize that we are created and that the creator has set a standard, and in this case, the standard is holiness, um, we, we have to abide by the way in which he has made for us to engage. Um, we like to create many avenues and we like to justify these other avenues, but that's not what the creator has done. He's created one avenue, which is through Christ. Right. He's also made it clear that the payment for sin is death, that it requires blood. And he started that in the beginning in Genesis, where we see at the garden when these two humans, these two mud people <laughs> that were filled with the spirit um, had decided that they could figure out whether this food was good for eating or whether they believed the lies of Satan. These two individuals that, again, are dust, um, God slayed animals to cover them. He began covering them then. He didn't remove their sin, but he did cover them so that they could live and they could dwell and they could get back into a right relationship with him. Right. All throughout the Old Testament, we see the sacrificing of animals for the covering of sins. Again, not removing them, but covering them. When we get to Christ... Can you, talk, can you talk about that covering? What do you mean by covering? In what sense does covering the sins make oh. a difference? So, like covering anything else, if you don't see it, you typically don't think it's there. And okay. God, he knows the sin is there, but he can't be in the space of right. it. So he... Um, he allows for mankind um, to give an offering and then he shields us or them um, from the penalty of the sin because uh, they were willing to recognize, again, God first. Um, 
this was never to get rid of okay. the sin. So, so you're saying you're saying God Himself made it possible for sin to be swept under the rug. Yes, as it were, so that people can have a relationship with Him. So, so why was it necessary then? Why couldn't we just keep on sweeping sin under the rug? Oh, because God is God, and it has to be addressed. It, the the rug was never a permanent uh, solution. It was just a temporary band aid. Um, you know, it was over a long time. I would even go further than that and say the the rug, I would say, was never what was actually covering it. The rug was simply standing in for the sacrifice that had been determined to be made Correct. for the foundations of the earth. Yes. This, the, God, the sacrifice God, that would in, be in the future. Yeah. Those sins, in other words, when when a, when a lamb was killed, when it was sacrificed under the Mosaic law, it wasn't the blood of that lamb that God was looking at and saying, okay, well, that suffices. We can put this under the rug. Correct. He looked at that blood and he said, that blood is a reminder that my son's blood is going to be shed. Correct. And it will be sufficient. And Correct. so for now, that blood can stand in the place and we'll Correct. cover this because his blood ultimately will have already have done this. That's exactly right. Both past, present, and future, all sins covered for those who choose to believe in him. Hmm. That's big when you recognize as a believer, if I fall, my savior has paid for my sins. When I meet individuals who are living a sin-filled life, Jesus has paid for their sins if they're willing to follow him. But that requires them to accept his holy and freeing gift. Yes, it's a life of sacrifice, and I'm not sure we're going to talk about that later, because it is a life in exchange for another life, not that that's equal by any means, but it is a sacrifice. It is one of those things out of love we choose to obey, to, to believe, to worship, to engage, to celebrate the gift of life as well as invite those that are lost to embrace what we have that is so freeing in Christ. Salvation is amazing. Right. Um, it's, it's something that, you know, you that should really hear is. playing on the music. Like you should hear it while you're driving. You should hear, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where um, I don't know why we make it a secret. I don't know why um, we act as though um, the world shouldn't know about this amazing love. And I don't know why it isn't until we get closer to the end of our seasons that all of a sudden we want to start sharing. It's when we first come to Christ and then we realize we're about to see Christ. So, <laughs> I, you know, I'd encourage all of us um, yeah. to be very intentional to lovingly, just as God loved us. Again, and as Pastor Jerry stated, getting into the water, for us to get into the water, but also help people to see the truth that this is not where you belong. You don't belong in your sin. Our, our culture celebrates sin. It, it says, wear it as a badge. It says, embrace my sin and make it yours too. That is not what God came for. Shout my sin, shout your sin. Yep. <laughs> That, that's not what he came for. He came for the relationship for the person and he came to free them from their sin, not to have their sin redefine him. And so often <laughs> when people say he's not good or he's not loving, 
I often have to challenge them on their definition of love because scripture makes it clear men don't die for other people. Like that's, that's not what good men do. That's a rare thing. But a God, the right. God, the only God would step out of eternity, put on time, put on flesh, walk amongst, again, us mm-hmm. dusty people, and then die for his creation? It wasn't like it was a surprise, Dave. Oh, I know. I know it, it wasn't, wasn't like Jesus woke up on Thursday morning and was like, wait a second, I'm going to die tomorrow? Well, he I, knew it when he made Adam and Eve. Plan. He knew it before creation. So he, he knew this when he made man that he was going to have to die. I, I know this. You know this. And that's even more impressive that he chose. He chose this to love. And that should be yes. something on our minds and celebrated and sung to one another as well as to others so that they hear the truth that Jesus is alive and that we will be alive in him, yeah. that we don't fear death, we don't fear the ramifications of sin because Jesus paid for it. So even if I fall in sin tomorrow, it doesn't define me. My relationship with Christ does. Yes, I ask for forgiveness. He's already done the work. He's already paid for it. I'm embracing my relationship with him. I, I, I want, man, I want to camp out there for a while. Do you recognize, dear listener, what that means? What the, the lie that Satan wants you to swallow is that as a Christian, when you screw up, you're out. You're put into the penalty box. You're put into the, well, now you get to try to earn your way back into the dining room table box. But that is not what Christ did. Christ made it so that when you and I and Pastor Dave, when we mess it up, no matter how badly we mess it up, that sin has already been covered. And God waits there simply for us to turn back to him and say, Lord, I did it again. And I need your grace to cover this one. And he looks and says, do you remember Jesus? He already did. Come back, my son. Come back, my daughter. And I'm saying this because I have heard Satan's voice to me. I have seen Satan whispering in the ear of countless people trying to condemn them, trying to make them feel the weight of shame or sin that they legitimately committed. But Paul tells us in Romans very clearly, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, not because what they did is not sin but because Jesus has already borne the guilt. He's already paid for it. He's removed that shame. And Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, it's not just that he removed it, but Paul says it this way, God made him, Christ, who did not know sin, to be sin for us so that, and here's the great exchange, we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus didn't Amen. stop on the cross and say, okay, I've shed my blood, now the sins have been paid for. He goes into the grave, he pops out of the grave three days later and says, boom, guess what? I brought gifts. I brought my checkbook. I brought my bank book. And I'm giving to you everything that I have. The clothes that I wear, the diamonds on my fingers, the gold in my mouth, the wheels I ride, it's all for you. Because you're mine now. That's incredible. That should animate us towards repentance as believers. Every time we sin, 
that should be driving us back to the cross to say, this is where I find peace because my sin was already taken care of and because I have already been accepted as a son beloved, just as Christ was beloved. That's some amazing stuff, man. I'm going to start preaching here, Dave. <laughs> get it. Get it, get it, get it. <laughs> hey, we all should be doing it. Telling the truth, letting people know, whether it's from the pulpit, from, you know, while you're getting your teeth cleaned or <laughs> whatever. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying that we, we shouldn't be living in fear. Like, what are we afraid of? We're built for eternity. This is Amen. who we are. Amen. And we need to live as though we are created for eternity. Our life is a gift, just as Jared was stating. And we need to live as though we have this present moment, you know, this actual present um, as truth in our lives. Not a present on the shelf, not a present that I, you know, opened up and I'm just my get out of jail free card or get out of hell free card, but an actual relationship with God. That is what, like, the core of salvation is God wants and desires relationship with you so much, so much. Don't give him five minutes. Don't give him ten minutes. Give him your life. Love him. Love others. And be impressed with how he moves in your day-to-day. Look for his spirit to guide you. Look for his word to teach you and to condemn you and to challenge you and to make you laugh. Because yeah. God's got us into humor. Yes. He indeed. loves you. Indeed. And we love you, gentle listener. We do. Um, I'm quoting Mike Rowe there. Mike, if you want to support this podcast, <laughs> you can look us up at anchoredandevoted.com. You can support us too um, with the <laughs> monthly giving. I don't know how that works, but try it out and let us know so we can know. <laughs> or you can send us a message about some topics you want us to do next season. Um, again, we're going to wrap it up in November, but we are having fun and we do want to know what topics are you want us to talk about. We've got a lot in the hopper, in the queue, but we really want to make sure that this is uh, uh, encouraging to you as well as glorifying God. Yeah, You're gonna, the person you, that sends us money, um, we will, <laughs> we'll, we'll do a drawing and we'll do a this podcast. You can, you can call in and ask us the tough questions. <laughs> okay, you can ask Jeremy the tough questions. <laughs> I'll watch. <laughs> mercy, mercy. Thanks again for listening to these two, us two crazies. And uh, you have a blessed day. <laughs> Bye-bye.